Glory to God. Well, it's good to be here again this morning. Amen. I'm going to start sharing some things that you all know already. Amen. You've been listening to any of Apostle John's teachings. You all know it already. But I'm going to ask you still to listen to the Lord. Amen. Just listen to the Lord. I believe I believe God just wants to emphasize something and to to reaffirm some things and to help us to become that people. Amen. We're in we're in a a time of and I know it's a word that's used a lot reformation. And sometimes we believe reformation belongs to the other people. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's for the guys next door. But I believe God wants to just help us. Now we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1. And I said, you all know Genesis 1. By now, you might know where I'm going to come from. But let's just still listen. Amen? Glory to God. Now, in verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And they, what we see here in verse 1, is, will somebody read verse 1 and verse 2 for this son, this son is here. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Dan. I'm just trying to. Yeah. There he comes. Yeah. Can be drawn across. There's no. Right. Yeah. I tried it, but it's still coming. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Wow. I mean, all of you even more than <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, it's okay. If you don't mind getting... Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm saying. If you don't mind getting baptized. Okay, okay. will someone read verse 1 and 2 for me? Now, in verse 1, we see both the heaven and the earth. And at this point, the heaven and the earth is expressing the very nature of God. That's important. The nature of God is evident in those two dimensions. When we go to verse 2, something has happened. And the nature of God is no longer being seen in the in these realms. Now, in Isaiah 45, verse 18, it says, For thus says the Lord, 
who created the heavens, who is God. Isaiah 45, verse 18. Who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, or he did not create it in a state of confusion or darkness or oppression. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. So we see from, from this verse that the very nature of God is a nature of beauty. The nature of God is a nature of excellence. And so the original creation was manifesting the very nature of God. Now, as we progress in the development, we see that there is a change in the makeup in the earth structure. It's, it's no longer expressing the nature of God. Now, in the nature of, in the current nature that we see in the earth after the fall of God, after the fall of the earth, it is reflecting one of destruction, confusion, darkness, chaos, unfruitfulness, and emptiness. It has now become a ruined place without systems that would support life. Now this is very important in looking on the earth. In Isaiah 45, 18, it says, The earth was created for the purpose of habitation. Okay, that's very, very important. Okay. It was created for to be a place of habitation. Now, something happens, and you all know, you all have heard the teaching on that, so I'm not going to get into that, but something happened that brought the earth from an exalted position into a lower state. Something was injected into the earth. To remove the very nature of God from it. Now, when God created the earth, He created it to be a place to be inhabited. A destroyer got involved in the earth's condition with one specific motive. To destroy a system that could support life. This is very important. The earth was designed to sustain life. The destroyer's mission was to, to remove the ability for the creation to sustain life. The destroyer, we know who destroyed it, had an insight 
into the purpose of God for the earth. And was aware of the fact that there was a life that was coming that needed the earth for its sustenance. Knew a man was coming. Now, you may wonder why is this so important. Until we recognize the importance of God's plan for the earth. And until this begins to lay a hole upon our heart, then it will affect our understanding of our assignment in the earth. Very important. We will not understand why God says, Ask me for the nations and the uttermost parts of the earth for our possession. You see, we were, we were groomed, we were groomed to have a, an incorrect viewpoint of earth. And it, and it has to be changed. Earth was created to sustain life. Now, as we progress in the account in Genesis chapter 1, God steps in and he reorders the elements of the heavens and the elements of the earth so that life could be sustained. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, there is great detail and focus that is given to show us how God reorders the earth. Painstakingly, God takes six days. He spends so much time in in ensuring that the elements were correctly reordered. I mean, he's God. He could have just stood up and just said, come back into place. But, 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 it is important to understand this because he was ensuring that the creation that was to come would have everything in place. Not just have it in place, but have it correctly in place and have the full substance of what that creation would be. For instance, he starts out with light. He says, let there be, let there be light. You recognize that light sustains everything else that would come thereafter. Okay? And, and, and we may get to this a little later. Light also represents revelation. As we, as, as we get further on, we may look some more on that. But the starting place of transformation is revelation. The starting place of change in the earth is light. Light becomes the foundation of everything. Vegetation, animals, you name it. Light is the foundation that begins that process. 
And he takes those five days and it, it's amazing. God, 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 is, God is perfect. God has everything in order. Yet he examines what he has done. In each day, he takes the time to examine what he has spoken into place. When God says it is good, it is not just an issue of the thing being good, but of the thing being good for the one who was to come. Okay. So, 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 it, so it also it also tells us something about the creation who was to come. I mean, if, if, if I'm coming to your house to visit, you more than likely would do a few little extra things to, to clean up and, you know, make a place of it. If, if, if the president or the queen of England, you've never met her, was coming to your house. There is a detailed preparation that you would undertake. You would even do some painting, which you wouldn't do for me. Isn't that true? You love me. You love me, but you wouldn't go painting. But if the queen was coming, everything changes. You may even build on an extra section just just for one day of a visit. You know, I, I have seen I've seen countries where where royalty has been visiting and they would literally build new structures for maybe a two day visit. Okay. Why? It reflects the preparation for the one who was coming. Okay. So God takes all his time in ensuring that all the elements were correctly lined up because of who was coming. Now, everything was prepared in the earth. Men and women of God, brothers and sisters, everything was fully prepared in the earth to sustain man. There was, there was no lack. At the end of five days, God determined that he could now deliver man. There was nothing lacking, nothing missing. Okay, now, this is jumping ahead of myself, but this is important for us to take hold on this point. There is nothing lacking, nothing missing in terms of provision for us to carry out our assignment. God never sends a man on an assignment without making full preparation. Okay? That's very important. So, technically, we lack nothing to accomplish what God is setting before us. 
Amen. Regardless of what I see, he has made full preparation to get his job done. Okay. Now, we know that man was the one who God was preparing to bring to the earth. And that this creation called man was of a completely different order. You might say, why are you going down this road? We all know it. But I want to say, I don't think we really know. I don't think we really understand who we are. I don't think we really appreciate this creature that's sitting beside you and who you're looking at. In, in bringing forth this creation, God looked at himself. He looked nowhere else. Amen? He looked nowhere else. I heard that, that statement that was made yesterday, made by, by Jack Grateful, about like Christians. And something that the Lord has been working on me with for about four weeks now is I recognize that we, we can become a people who are in love with our doctrine. But not a people who have come to know who we are. Or a people who have come to know Jesus Christ. I had a meeting with a group recently and I took Acts chapter 2 and I asked them a question. What was Acts chapter 2 all about? What was Peter talking about? Some said it was the pouring out of the Spirit. It was the infilling of the Spirit. If you notice, in Acts chapter 2 was the day of Pentecost. And the people saying, what is this? If you notice, Peter started off by saying, this is that. Then he went directly to Jesus. And he spent the rest of the chapter speaking about Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, when the man is healed from his birth defect, and they're all marveling about this. Peter says, put a hole. So let me explain what this is about. And the next thing you know, Peter is speaking about Jesus. He carries it right back to Jesus. He says, it's not by our, by our own power. It's by faith in his name has made this man whole. And he spends the next the whole of that period speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is important for us to come to 
to know, I believe this is a key, if we're going to see this specific man, and this is what I'm talking about this morning, God is looking for a specific man in the earth. Okay. He's not a human being, he's a God being. And, and that's one of the things we need to change. We're, we're too human being conscious rather than God conscious. Now when I say God conscious, not just something up here, but something here. Something here, something here, something here. That we are of a, a higher order than the creation in which we have been set. Now, The fact is that we have a mental knowledge of that. But it needs to become a revelator in us. It's one of the reasons why sometimes we've been working with churches for so many years trying to get people to, to do things. Without a revelation of this position, they're going to be hindered in the world. Because we still have not accepted the idea. Okay. God said, let us make this creature after our order. Okay. This creature, this creature comes out of us, which means this creature carries our DNA, our mindset, our likeness, our character. And that's a dimension I believe God wants us to to, to begin to build in to, and build towards with those who God is giving us. And, in our, and allow God to build that in us. Very important. So two things, and then I'll move on. One, the earth is a very important part of God's plan. The fact that the devil was present, God didn't even tell Adam. is isn't recorded that God even told him a devil was around. In other words, he was inconsequential. He, I mean, you know. Yeah. Didn't even tell him about it. Because God knew that a God-man was able to take care of him. Okay? God-man. Secondly, and I'm not going too much into that because of, you know, you know this. A man is heaven's representative to the earth. Okay. That's important. A man, whether that man is walking with the Lord now, or that man isn't walking with the Lord now, he was designed to be God's representative to the earth.
And it is time that we recognize that God is still after this man. That the earth cannot be changed and the kingdom will not come to the earth unless this man is in place. This man has to be in there. Now we are here because God is after that man. Amen. We have an assignment in our nation because God is after that man. We have heard yesterday that God is challenging us to begin to revisit patterns of what we do. Because our former patterns do not build that man. Of our patterns have not been about seeing that man understand who he is, comes into position to begin to become the instrument of God for you. This is one of the reasons why it requires a total change about what we do. I've seen too many people in church for 40, 30 years. I don't have a clue. That's why I mentioned earlier, in Jerusalem, the apostles did such a good work in the life of the people. When they were scattered, there is nobody who could shake them and remove them from the relationship with Jesus. Some of the things that took place that we call miracles, was not about a man setting out to minister. If you look, Daniel and Joseph and all these men, they weren't setting out to take any kingdom. What they had was a relationship with the Father. They had a relationship with the Lord Jesus that when shaken, that which was within them became manifest on the outside of them. And this is one of the things about why we have to examine ourselves as a kingdom people. Because what has become kingdom has been taking these mountains. It has not been about a life relationship. I, I, I want to warn you. Don't try and take any mountain without a relationship. You know why? Revelation 17 speaks about Babylon. It says Babylon is drunk with what? The blood of the saints and of the martyrs. And she sits upon the seven mountains. You try to enter into those mountains outside of a relationship with Jesus, you will encounter Babylon. She might end up drinking your blood. Character of Christ out of relationship is what we must be seeking to trust God to get established in us and in the saints in this time. Those that God gives us the work. You know, that does not mean that we are not involved in the work of the kingdom. That does not mean that we are not involved in 
the going aspect of what we have done because but it must become relational. And I've found among many of our brethren is this. There is a love of the knowledge and not a love of the person, the Lord Jesus. When the knowledge gets shaken, you find splinter. A man can never, a devil can never shake and remove your personal relationship with the Lord if it is constantly being built and if it is constantly being built. That must become the sustaining life force in us. Amen. So I believe the Lord wants to challenge us in this year. Now, this is very important, and especially as I speak to us as leaders. Because I've also discovered this. That many of us, the clothing we wear, is a kingdom clothing and a charismatic interior. Kingdom clothing on a charismatic interior. And that the fruitfulness that we have been looking for has not yet been manifest to some extent. Because that which is on the inside cannot carry that which God has done. He wants to transform it. And I'll come to some of this. If you notice in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he asks all these questions. Jesus tells him something. What does he tell him? You must be born again. Notice, the message of being born again is not for the world. He was not given to the world. The message of repent and be converted was given to the world. The message of being born again was given to the church. A church leader. In other words, Nicodemus, it is your foundation that has to be changed first. Why? Because if I give you understanding of this, you're going to put on a kingdom exterior with a charismatic inside. If you understand what that means, or whatever other foundation. God's not after that. Okay? Now, I'm not going to touch on this, but one of the things I've seen a lot in, in my journey that tells me that amongst us as leaders, a lot of interior work needs to be done as the Lord perfects us. And, and this, is why this, is, this is why this is so beautiful. And I heard, I heard Mark speak about it last time. There is so much brokenness in the relationship with the spouses that 
immediately tells you there needs to be a new birth. There, there's so much separation amongst spouses. So much covered over by spirituality and giftings and right wording. So, God wants us to allow a new birth to take place inside of us. Now, we all know that and we're going to look at part of that process of this new birth. I've also discovered something about myself as I look on the process. You know it's difficult to change yourself? Huh? How many of you ever tried changing yourself? Hard work, isn't it true? Even, and, and, and I'm not talking about just externally. I'm talking about using scriptures. Huh? Talking about using scriptures. Because the order of God was never for you to change yourself. There is something God has configured for this to take place. Now, I'm going to come back to some of that, but let's look on Hebrews chapter 2 quickly. Hebrews chapter 2, and I love this, this, this scriptures. This particular scripture. We're going to read from verse 5. It says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come. Now, I'm going to reemphasize this. You. Man is of an order that is higher than what we have believed or seen or operated in. Please, if, if you leave with nothing else, trust the Lord for that to sink inside. We are not numbered among creation. We are numbered among the gods. This isn't a pride issue. This is like me being the son of the king. And because I, I might be going to school among many other persons from different places, all of a sudden I'm changing my mindset. I'm a commoner and not, and not, and not belonging to the royal living. You belong to the royal lineage. That's man's place. We are not subject to the creation. The creation is subject to us. Amen? Where is the, the headquarters of the EU? I think it's Brussels. Is that correct? They, they sit in Brussels and make decisions, and it affects all of the year. They're in a seat of authority 
that has impact across nations. One or two men. Now, we likewise have been given royal, a royal position with royal authority, royal responsibility. But we have to begin to embrace that. Okay. Now let's look on in Hebrews 2. For unto the angels he had not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified saying, What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? Look on verse 7. You made him a little lower than the angels. And I think all of you know that word angels. Their origin from the origin is Elohim, which is God. So you have made man just a little lower than God. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And set him over the works of thy hands. Now. This is not going to change. Man is accountable for the earth. Did you all hear that, brethren? You and I will give God an account for the earth. When we come before the throne, it's not how many souls we want in terms of, you know, the evangelism thing. We're going to give an account for the creation. Why? Because God opened His mouth and God said, I have put it under your authority. And we know when God speaks something, Guess what? It seals it. It won't be changed. You see, why this is so important is because religion has polluted it that sometimes even we are still operating in that old pollution and don't recognize it because secretly, inwardly, we still have this thing of just, you know, we're going along, we're saying kingdom, but we have not yet recognized, hey, this is my responsibility. This is my mission. I'm going to give an account for this. Where I find myself is my responsibility. My metron is my responsibility. I must give an account before God. Who is giving an account for Latvia to the heavens? Man is going to be responsible for that. And there's a place reserved for those who don't want to be responsible. It's called outer darkness. This is a very serious mission. This isn't, this isn't. That's why we can't be apologetic. That's why we can't be. We, we, we have to take this thing seriously. This isn't about who isn't going to like me anymore or who's going to like me. This isn't about whether or not they're going to say, oh, that's not a church or this is not a church. Okay? 
This is about my accountability. This is about my responsibility. And as you work with people, you'll recognize likewise there is an urgency of responsible men. That's a part of our assignment. To find responsible men. To build responsible men who can give an account for the earth. Amen? I even think we have a responsibility for the heavens too. Yeah, because when the enemy is cast out of the heavens, what, what comes? A new administration. So, so, so we have to take this thing serious. Now, it goes on, verse 8, and I love verse 8. It says, though I put all things, I love it and I don't love it. <laughs> yeah. It says, though I put all things in subjection under his feet. Please, brethren, this is not fair again. It is real. David caught it in the spirit and he declared it. Here it is, the spirit of God is recording it. He has put how many things? In other words, every aspect of earth, not some, Every aspect of earth, the accountability for every aspect of the earth and everything within the earth, spirit and the natural, is our responsibility. That's why we are salt. We are salt to the what? Salt to the earth, light to the world. Two different dimensions, both the natural and the spirit. So, so we need to be positioned in the physical and we need to be positioned in the spiritual. If you remove the salt, then you release corruption in the earth. So can it explain for us why the earth is so corrupt? Because what? The salt has been Removed. In, in other words, the salt has gone into Walmart. You know, you, you, you're right. In, instead of being in the pot, it, it's, it's in the storehouse. It's in church meeting every Sunday. Right. right. And because our people have not been built into the dimension that they should be built, there's no light in the heavens. So the world, that whole that whole arrangement, that whole heavenly arrangement is in darkness. And needs a people of light to take their place in the heavenly. Needs a man. What does the earth need? A man. A specific type of man. Amen. A what? A son of man, uh, you know, that, 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 a company, a company that comes out of the sea of man. Okay. A company that is like he who is from above. Understand? They, they have the same mission, which we will see as, as we read here. It says, um, there was put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. 
Please make note what the Spirit of the Lord emphasizes. He left nothing. Can you see? Are you seeing what the Lord is saying? There is nothing that has been left out of God's positioning in our lives concerning the earth. Nothing. There's no excuses to present before the Lord. Nothing has been left out. Whether it's natural governments, whether it has to do with environmental issues, but whatever, nothing has been left out from under our government. We don't have any excuses there. We can't play church because we know our assignment. Amen? We can't play that. We can't play the church games. Now, nothing has been left out that is not put under him. Now, this is the part I don't like. But now, we see not yet all things put under him. Now, that isn't a good report. Yeah? The next verse says, but we see Jesus and the religious world jump up and say, yeah, yeah, and recognize it's an indictment. It's saying there's only one man. Only one man has taken his mission seriously. Only one man has done it. This is not a commendation. This is what he said. He said, all throughout creation, we can only find one man. One. Who has allowed the Father to put all things under his feet. It's time for a change. says, he was made a little lower than the angels. Jump to verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory. What was Jesus' mission? The, the demonstrated one, and then secondly, to come and to redeem us, to restore us to the high place. Okay? Bringing many sons unto glory, to make this captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Now, notice he did not say to bring all sons unto glory. What does it say? They bring what? Many sons. There is a company who he has become captain over. There's a what? A company that he has become captain over. There is a company in the earth. Okay. Verse 11. For both he that sanctify and they who are sanctified are all of one. They come out of the same origin. Out of the same family. That's the family he's after. We have heard this week. We have heard yesterday. God is not after everybody right now. What is he after? The same company that are out of that one family. Amen? That's the company he's laying his hands on. That's why everyone in this room can say, when they heard this message, something inside of them went, hmm, 
Amen? What? Deep call to, to deep. Some, something pure weakness. Whereas others hear it and they say, uh, uh, right. They're not of that company. You might say, oh, you know, that is elitism. Well, Jacob comes along and he says, Joseph, I have some good news for you. These two boys, they are mine. He chose them. Poor Joseph. He says, by the way, Joseph, the ones you will have after, those are yours. So he was going to have others after. So God has others, and then he has a company that has a specific mission. It has nothing to do with elitism. It has to do with being chosen before the foundation of the earth for a specific thing. Now, it's not for me to determine who is in that, but for me to respond to his call. For me. And that's the only thing I can be accountable for at this time. Amen? Yeah. He says, and he goes on, he says, For both he that sanctified eleven and they were sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Since saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, will I sing praise unto them. There's a revelation that is reserved for that thing. Remember I spoke about these men but they were connected to the Lord Jesus and they spoke about his name. Wow. His name was revealed unto them. God wants to begin to reveal his name. Jesus wants to reveal the name of the Father unto us. In this day. New difference of relationship with him in this season. And we are living Now, because man is still God's administration in the earth, God is still looking for this administration. The, the earth languishes. The earth cries out for that administration. That's what the earth is crying out for. New administration. You know Ephesians chapter 1, I'll read it from verse 9 to 10 in the new New American Standard Bible said he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him and I'm reading from the new I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9 to 10 and I'm at verse 10 with a view to an administration suitable for the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. Now I'm going to make a quote here, and I don't remember who it was from. Um, but it says, there is a church... That is to become the foundation upon which everything else gets built. There is a church 
that is to become the foundation upon which everything else gets built. God's looking for that. First Timothy 3.15 says, But if I tarry long, that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. That's the church God's looking for now. Church, 1 Timothy 3, 15. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. Right? God's looking for that church. Understand. Men and women of God. 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3, 15. It's not there? Okay, you need a Bible. <laughs> okay. Okay. Is that important? 1 Timothy? Yeah? 3? Verse 15? Okay, alright. Maybe it's maybe at 16 or 14 or something. No, no, I know. For, for me, it's not Danish Bible, right? Maybe it's somewhere. I know like the French Bible, it doesn't always follow the numbering system. Right. Now, in the earth, truth must be restored. Truth must become a a foundation in the earth. God's looking for that. God's looking for our people who become the expression of truth in the earth. Amen? Look. You must become the expression of truth. Amen? We must become the expression of truth in every era. One of the things that has been responsible for so much falling away from the Lord has been the absence of truth in the life of the so-called believers. In our relationships. In our dealings. Truth has not been found in it. And it's time for truth. You know? We heard this word yesterday, covenant. I mean, there's more broken covenants in church than in the world. Do you know the statistics say the divorce rate in church is the same as in the world? About 75, 70 something percent. Here? In church. Now, let's carry it further. They said among the church leaders, it's the same percentage. Do you know what that tells the world? That Jesus Christ is not a covenant man. What do I mean by that? Because Paul says, marriage is about Christ and the So what we have told the word is, word, we have testified to the world, don't trust Jesus. Doesn't keep covenant.
internal configuration inside of us. Must be reworked. Thus as leader. None of us are perfect. God isn't waiting for us to become perfect men. It has to do with the willingness to be yielded, to be worked upon as we were. Amen? Very important. Now, there we In the same manner that David's generation in both the realm of the kingdom and the house of God became the foundation upon which the purposes of God became built and recognized as a standard. It's the same thing God is looking for in our time. That's our motto. David's generation became the standard. Okay? David's generation became a standard. God in speaking in Acts chapter 15 says, not only... Did it become a standard in terms of the kingdom, but a standard in terms of the house of God? In two dimensions. And let me say this. Every family, and I say family, spiritual family, every local, local expression of the church must be built up in these two dimensions. The two dimensions are important. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, verse 19, he says, You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens and heirs, fellow citizens and heirs and member of the household of God. Now, two things. Citizenship. And family. Okay? What has happened in the church is that we have either built a family church or we have built a kingdom church. Okay? Build a kingdom church, we're not into family. We're just into going. You know, you know, nothing. Family side doesn't matter. Or we build a family church. No, we're just building our nice family, you know. We let them go. But he says, look, he says, you have been effectively built. Make note, he says, you have been built into these dimensions. It is a built into dimension. It doesn't just happen. He says, citizen. So in the life of the believer, your kingdom citizenry or citizenship must be firmly developed. Amen? But also, they must not become, quote-unquote, the church. They must become a family member of a household. Okay? That's a dimension that has to be dealt with. Every local expression of the church must be a family, part of a household. And every person must own their place in the family. No? Too many churches have members. 
It's about citizen, which means kingdom. You must be a family member of the household. And that, that has many implications. Now, I'm going to repeat a statement I just made. It's important. In the same manner that David's generation, in both the realm of the kingdom and the house of God, became the foundation upon which the purposes of God became built and recognized as the standard, likewise must we become that generation. The kingdom, family or the house of God must be built in such a way that we become the standard for every other generation God would say, I'm going to come again and I'm going to restore the tabernacle of David. Woo! So many years and God speaking to that standard. It was also under David, first Kings 5, that every enemy was subdued. Okay. So we see there, we found a man who pursued God and became the instrument of the kingdom and the house and the family. We must aim for that in our generation. Amen? Okay. Now, I'm going to share some things. Um, share some things. Okay. Quickly. And about looking on this process of the change that we need to go through. And there are a number of things that are needed. First thing that's needed to become that administration in the earth. First element is the element of revelation. Mention it in Genesis 1, when God begins reordering the earth. He begins, he says that there will be light. Revelation. But that had to do with the earth. But when it comes to do with the man, to redeem him likewise, revelation has to be the beginning point. Revelation. Revelation. Revelation is the unpacking of the vision, the unpacking of the heart of God. To a people and in a people. To produce change, there has to be revelation. Okay? And revelation is directly connected to our relationship with Him. And with those that he has given to us. Now I would love to go into this and I won't. But this is important. I have found it that it is so important. Everywhere I have been I found it is absolutely important. It is a missing key. How revelation is delivered. It is a missing key. I won't go into it now, it's part of our discipleship series. How revelation is delivered is a missing key. There are too many party day fasts taking place every year. Stop going hunger, hungry. It's not God's way of bringing, transforming revelation. 
there is an order for it. Okay. I'm, I won't go into it, but a, a little of it will be touched. Just a little as we go along. Okay. The starting place of a revolutionary change is in a revelatory relationship. Somebody hear that? Let me repeat. The starting place of a revolutionary change in my life, in your life, in the life of those God gives to you, is in a revelatory relationship. Both with the Lord and with the vision bearers. You can't separate the two. A lot of ministries are struggling now. Men who love God. You can't fast like they are fasting. You don't know the Bible like they know the Bible. But the ministry isn't going anywhere. Because if you don't understand how God delivers vision and revelation, you will continue to stay in that state and eventually die. God does nothing in the earth without a man. Absolutely nothing without a man. And the enemy has used the charismatic era to try and kill men. To, to remove man out of the picture. And so it's about me, my revelation, my time with God, and what God told me. After a while, start doing the mountain journey. You know, start doing the mountain journey. Because, relationship with God and a relationship with a man is God's way of delivering revelation and vision. Very important. In the natural and in the spiritual. I've always wondered, when I was in high school, how is it certain children just had such confidence? Okay? How is it? Yeah, how is it certain children just had such confidence? And in my own evaluation, it's not scientific, always had to do with a relationship they had with an adult in their life, mainly their parents. While I was in high school trying to figure out who I was, I would look on these guys. It was always on the inside. And 
You would observe. You would observe when their parents brought them to school. You would observe when their parents brought them from school. You would hear them speaking about their parents being there with them and their parents being there with them. You begin. And you compare to the others who were not as, you know, establishing who they were. And you recognize the missing factor of an adult who was there, generally up there. God uses some who he has carried on into himself to be the instruments by which revelation and light and truth is released into our foundation. That's why we need to be born again, again. Now, so transformation, uh, where were we? Transformation. The transformation is going to take place. There has to be revelation. We're going to become that administration of God in the earth. We've got to start this process. And the process begins with revelation. It also means the process begins with relationship. Amen? process begins where? In relationship. Now, I'm going to take a break here. I know I'm a little bit short, but I have a call that needs to be taken care of. Hallelujah. (laughs) So, Dan, I'm going to take a break here. Amen? Please.